Hello, this is Danielle Savory, and you're listening to It's My Pleasure, episode number 134. In order for a woman to fully step into her power, it is essential to incorporate her pleasure, sexual, and beyond. In this podcast, I will teach you how to use your mind, tap into your body, and take action to creating the most orgasmic life. Let's dive in. Hello, 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 lovers, pleasure seekers, fun friends of the world. How are you all doing? I'm doing so good. We just got back from San Diego, actually a little while now since I'm recording this. And that's part of the reason I wasn't able to record one of the episodes because when I was there, being the playful, (laughs) fun mom that I am, I rode quite a few roller coasters with my older daughter and I lost my voice. I think I was also like fighting a cold or something. And I, yeah, I lost my voice for like a good chunk of time and you can hear it's still kind of a raspy and sexy and fun, which has been fun to play around with in the bedroom. But now it is at least good enough to come back and record a podcast episode with you all. And I'm super excited to talk about distance today and how that age old saying of how distance makes the heart grow fonder and why that is and really what we can take away from what happens when we're away from our partners and use it to our advantage so that we can still have the same level of desire for our people, even when they might be right in the next room. So let's go ahead and dive in. So first of all, the reason that I got inspired to do this podcast is that because I was doing some research for a different project that I'm working on, and I visited one of my favorite TED Talks by Esther Perel. And if you don't know her, she is like the godmother of human psychology around intimacy and sexuality and romantic relationships, and she's amazing. She's done a number of, um, you know, talking events, speaking events. Um, I think she has a podcast, though I have never listened to it. So uh, I will admit my (laughs) ignorance in that situation. But I have read her book, Mating in Captivity, which is great. And anyway, I was watching this TED Talk and she mentioned in there after she wrote the book, Mating in Captivity, and was going around the country and talking to couples and interviewing people about when they found their highest desire to be, she found across the board, across cultures, across any parts of the, you know, the world of the globe, that the number one thing that people said was that they felt the most desire, that most like wanting for their partner when they were away from them. When they had distance, maybe they were in a long distance relationship, or perhaps just in those you know, periods of their life where they were traveling away from one another. And, you know, I actually started out my relationship, well, my now husband, but when we were dating, we had like a hot and heavy four months, not going to lie. Like that was like... (laughs) 
we were not distanced at all. We were like, could even handle being away from each other for a couple hours that we had to go to class in college. But then he was in Alaska and I was in Oregon. And then he came back to school in Oregon and I was doing my neuroscience program in England. So we dealt with a long distance relationship. And when we had this like long distance relationship, not only were we away from each other, but was also at the time when technology wasn't what it is today. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have, I think there was MySpace, but I didn't have a MySpace account. The only way that I could even email was like trekking halfway across campus to get to the computer lab and log in. So I barely even got to email each other. And other than that, like I could call him on a payphone, which cost an arm and a leg, and I was a broke college student. So needless to say, we didn't really talk that much. It just wasn't that available to us. So there was not only just distance of like physical miles and miles away from each other, but also just that connection and that touch point with each other. And I wanted him. <laughs> like, I really wanted him. I wanted him so bad that I took out like a credit card and like all of my savings that were supposed to be for college books and sent him a one way ticket and said, You either come here to England or we're all done. That's a story for another time. But I know exactly what she's talking about, and I'm sure most of you do too, that when we are away from our partners, it's like something happens in us where all of a sudden we want them more. We think about them in this like really juicy, lovey, like rose-colored glasses sort of way. And, you know, it can become like this actual feeling of like ache and longing for your person. And then when you come back, usually there's some like, you know, nice, juicy, hot sex if your partner isn't mad at you for being gone <laughs> because they had to be taking care of the kids. That's a whole That's a whole other thing. But oftentimes, we're really looking forward to seeing our partners and getting back together with them. And so what is happening? What is happening when we are away from our partners that allows this desire to really get sparked and then grow and then makes that reconnection and that coming back to so hot? Let's break it down. So one of the things is, is simply being away from your person. Well, first, let's back up for a second. So desire, right? Desire, let's just define that as a wanting, right? Desire is like that wanting, that longing, that yearning for something. And oftentimes for the human brain, what we do is there's something that we do not have that we want, that we have this longing for that we do not have, right? It is much more challenging to long or to want for something that we have. Usually we'll just go and get it or we don't have that longing or wanting because we know that it's available. So there's this switch that kind of happens in the brain when we aren't able to have something, we want it more. But when it's right there, we don't tend to drop into like that camp of longing and wanting because it's available. And I think this really became so very apparent parent for so many people during the pandemic when all of the sudden there were these you know boundaries and schedules and you know routines that would happen in our day that did create distance that brought you know our like 
my kids were at school and then I was excited to see them when they got back from school. I mean, it was also really nice just to have them gone, let's be real. But like my husband was away at work and I would look forward to seeing him when he got home. All of that kind of went out the window when we were in the pandemic and we're all shut down. And, you know, if you have a family unit, you're all in it together. And even now, some of you might still be in, you know, a different situation than you were pre-pandemic. Like for us, my husband used to work out of the house. They got rid of their office. They decided that we could, well, not we, but they could all work remotely. And so now my office shares a wall with his office. (laughs) So there was a lot of like challenges trying to figure out like, how do you want somebody How do you desire them? How do you long for them in this way when they're literally there 24-7? In a lot of cases, we are around each other 24-7. So how do we let that erotic like desire really spark? And as Esther Perel talks about, you know, desire really requires novelty. It requires like this newness and this mystery and this like fantasy. And that can be very challenging when you are in a lockdown situation or you're just around somebody all the time, even if they do go away for a few hours each day to the office. So when we're away from somebody, number one, what we're doing is we're creating space. We're creating space where it naturally can drop in that wanting and that longing because they're not right there. The brain can more easily want something that it doesn't already have. And when it's not right in front of your face all the time, it's like, ooh, I can want them. I And your brain all of a sudden has this space to think about them. The other thing that happens when we're away is we tend to like think about our person in a very like romantic and idealized way. We like reflect on them, we think about them, we let our mind space really grow around all of the things that they do for us, all of the ways that we really love to like, you know, crawl into bed and be next to them and cuddle them or the ways that maybe you, you know, they help take care of you. Like I know when my husband travels, like there's so many things that I notice that he does for me (laughs) that I take advantage of when he's here because it becomes very apparent when he's gone that those things aren't happening, right? So it's like we oftentimes don't even notice all of these little things or these little routines or habits that we fall into with our partners that we're doing for one another when we're together. It just becomes part of the routine. And the brain doesn't even pick up on it or really pay attention to it in this like yummy, juicy, delicious, appreciative way because it's just what's expected. You just fall into this place of like, oh, this is just what happens. This is what it's expected, right? Like I just have gotten used to every night cuddling my husband or kissing goodnight or being able to, you know, vent to him about something, or he usually does a lot of the cooking, right? (laughs) Just be having a nice meal. And those are things that I have really gotten used to. But when we're away from each other, we can reflect on them in a very appreciative and more like, um, 
through the eyes of more gratitude, right? It's like the song, like, don't judge me on my singing abilities because I can't sing, but I'm going to attempt. So it's like, uh, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. You're going to miss the way I talk. You're going to miss the way I walk. Oh, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. I can't believe I just sung in public. There you go. So that song, right? And it's so true. Like when somebody is gone, when they're away, there's all these things that we are actually missing about them. And we tend to think about all the things we really love and appreciate about them when they're gone. Where when your partner is like all up in your space, the brain falls into this pattern of the negativity bias. And we pay attention to all the things that annoy us or frustrate us, or they aren't doing the thing that we want them to do. Another thing that happens when we're away from our person that's different than when we're with them is we get to use our imagination more. So when you're missing somebody and they're not there, then you can imagine what you would be doing in this very romantic sort of way if they were there. Like, ooh, if you were in this hotel room with me, then I would, you know, all the juicy, sexy things, right? And what's so fun about letting your imagination go when you're away from somebody is it feels like this you know, like you get to hope and dream and have this imagination, but because it's not possible, because they aren't there right now, there's none of the actual effort that has to be taken to get that result, to have those orgasmic outcomes. So your imagination is just free to roam and to think about all of the places that their hands would touch you on your body and the juicy kisses and the passionate love gazes and all the other things that could happen without the effort that it would take to make those things happen. So you can kind of see where I'm going here with this, right? So we're going to talk about, like, these are just the big differences I want to point out. And then we're going to talk about how we can really use the insight of these differences to make a difference. So, and then the last thing that happens is when we've been away and now we've had space to think about them, our brain has been allowed to miss them because we want something that we can't have and it's not around. When you have thought of them in a very maybe romantic way or a loving way or just really an appreciative and through the lens of so much gratitude, When you come back and you finally see your person, you're seeing them with fresh eyes. It's like you get to see them in this totally new light, not only because your brain has been filled with this juicy imagination about what the things that you could do together, but also from a place of love and gratitude and appreciation. And just because you haven't seen them, you notice things that you might not have noticed if they were, you know walking down the hallway every time you walk down the hallway or every time you go to bed, they're right there. It's like, well, we haven't seen, you know, like a little person, um, like one of your kiddos or like a niece or a nephew or somebody else's kid for a little while. And then they come and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even notice. And all these, like you've gotten so big, like you see them totally different than if they're right in front of your face all of the time. So we see them with their fre- like fresh eyes and a whole store of like 
feel-good thoughts and emotions that have increased our desire and our connection with them, even though they haven't been there. Okay, so how do we capture this like distance makes the heart grow fonder even when we're not with them? Well, let's just break it down with the things that we notice. So one of the things that we've talked about multiple times on this podcast is creating time and space, because we don't do this, to think about our partner in a turned-on way, in an appreciative way, in a loving way, in a romantic way. Like, actually think of them. You can think about whether or not like you have distance from them, but maybe even when you first started dating them, like you rented out space to thinking about them and imagining and fantasizing about what you might do together in your future together often, usually daily, usually lots of minutes, if not hours every single day. Now, I'm not saying you have to like spend hours thinking about your partner every day, but spend time thinking about them when they're not in front of you. So for me, being in my office with the door closed, even though I can hear his very loud voice, um, that's why I'm wearing these big, huge (laughs) noise-canceling headphones right now, so I can think about him in a romantic way. So get yourself to a place where even if you're in the same house or in the same vicinity, you have this space in your brain, just like if you were a way to think about your person, to think about how much you appreciate them and how much you love them and how like grateful you really are to have them in your life. Okay. So that's like the love bit, but then we want to, if you really want to increase our desire, we have to bring in the imagination. We have to bring in that like little bit of spiciness and eroticism and, you know, mystery to it. That's where the imagination comes in. So first we get to just think of them in a loving, you know, way that makes us feel really connected in our heart. It makes us feel safe, right? And safety is one of the pillars of pleasure. It makes us feel connected. And then we get to kind of spice it up with thinking of imaginative things. Now, you might be wondering, how am I supposed to use my imagination when they're literally there? You could just even play with very, very small fantasies about your partner. Like when we see each other in the kitchen and imagine like their hands on you, or maybe you decide that you don't want to like wear panties that day and you're wearing a dress or your skirt and you could just maybe imagine that you, oops, accidentally show them and maybe they're touching your thigh in the kitchen or something like that. Like you get to use your imagination however you want. But when you start thinking about your partner, even if they're right there in the house, there's so many places that your imagination can go that can really start to turn you on. Now, for those of you that have a hard time imagining and visualizing, number one, you can work on your imagination as a skill, okay? So one of the easiest ways to do this is just to close your eyes, like take an object, like right now I'm looking at my water bottle. So I can look at my water bottle and then I close my eyes and I use my imagination to see the water bottle, Okay, so you can actually practice just by very simple objects, and then you can practice 
engaging your imagination more by thinking about your person and what they look like and what they like that cute little smile when they're laughing at a joke or the way like you could even think about like their O face or (laughs) the way that they looked at you at one time when you could just feel the love emanating from them. Like you can use your imagination to start picturing your person and then you can start creating stories or fantasies. Now, if you're not quite there of wanting to create stories or fantasies about what could happen, you can also just use your imagination to remember something that did happen that was really juicy, like a session that you had that was really hot and it was really fun. And the way that you paint that picture in your head is to make it even more pleasurable in your brain. Like how good that really was, how fun that really was, how playful. Like even if it didn't create as much orgasmic results as you wanted, you can still play it back in your mind with a tone of like hotness and juiciness, which would allow it, your brain is literally practicing it to be even hotter and juicier the next time. Okay. So we're creating the space We're kind of shutting yourself away, whether it's in your office or going for a walk or somewhere else, so that you have the time and space to think about your person. You're thinking about them in a loving way. You're creating that safety. You're creating that connection. Then you're increasing your imagination in juicy and erotic ways, thinking about what could happen. You're creating that anticipation, that mystery, like what if. And then the last thing that we want to practice to really help, you know, solidify like this, the, you know, the distance makes the heart grow fonder is fresh eyes. So you can do this in a number of different ways. The way that I have learned this just through the way that I was taught through one of my Buddhist teachers was the beginner's mind. And the beginner's mind is simply a practice of really being curious on purpose with very familiar things. So pretending as if you are experiencing the thing for the very, very first time. Now, the first time that I was introduced to this exercise, my brain was just like, this is stupid. This is woo-woo. You know, you've had like eaten a million raisins before. This isn't anything new. So you probably are going to have that. You just need to notice when your brain goes there and be like, okay, this is the the thing that helped my brain the most. But you have never done it at this moment, in this day, in this body, with this experiences, with these memories, with the feelings and the emotions that you have right now. That my brain can't really argue with because that's true. So whatever it takes to really help your brain kind of get on board, but then what you're doing is your it's like as if like if i was experiencing this body for the very first time how might i you know receive a kiss from my husband who i've kissed like a million times like what feels different and when we intentionally bring a freshness a newness to the experience it does actually get to feel new We don't have all the expectations and the assumptions of what's going to go on. We get to look at them like it's the first time. 
We don't take advantage of the small little things. We get to wonder like, hmm, I wonder if they're going to bite my lower lip or if they're going to slip the tongue. And instead, we're just like, I wonder what's going to, you know, like, I wonder what's going to happen next. Not like, oh, I know where this is going. So we have to train our brain to come back to the curiosity and the newness of it. So whether or not you're getting any space away from your partner, (laughs) you can still help yourself spark that desire and create more of that desire by simply borrowing so many of the elements that happen when we actually are away from our partner. So creating the space away, thinking about them lovingly and appreciatively, using your imagination to create erotic scenarios and fantasies and things that could happen that would really turn you on. And then once again, looking at your person with fresh eyes and experiencing their touch, experiencing those interactions like it is the first time. And let me tell you, that is going to create some amazing, mind-blowing, hot sexual encounters, even if you're with your person. 24 7. So, as always, it's been my absolute pleasure to share this episode with you today. If you're enjoying this podcast, I ask you to please share it with somebody else in your life that would love to listen to this and take the couple of minutes to write a review. I really love to hear if you are liking this, if it's resonating, if it's sitting with you. And more of those reviews and ratings really help this podcast get out to more people. So, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you for those that have done it. And if you haven't done it yet and you've been listening for a while, I humbly ask you to please share your words and um, what you love about the podcast right there in Apple Podcasts. There's directions in the show notes of exactly how to do that. And I so appreciate you all. Have a wonderful week. Can't wait to talk with you next week. 